Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue! Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello, and welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an Odd Couple podcast. Today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 5, Odd Monks. Uh, This episode is not on CBS All Access or on Hulu. We had to watch it on DVD, which actually forced an interesting uh, scenario where we'll get to that later, where something was cut out of the show uh, because of a rights issue, which we actually went, or Garrett found it, and we put it back into the show. We'll get to that. So we have a restored, a fully restored episode now. Yeah, we have the TV version. Uh, well, actually, maybe not, because the TV version may have a scene edited. I don't know. Uh, you know, a, a current TV version. Uh, before we get in, you want to give us the yes, writer? Well, I've, I've never heard of this guy before. Yeah, it's some guy named Gary Marshall wrote this. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, him being the basic showrunner of the show, co-executive producer, uh, that is his prerogative to write an episode every now and then, which he only did a few times or took the writing credit. I should say only a few times uh, was definitely involved in the writing of every episode to some degree. But this is one of those rare episodes that his name is on it and just him as the sole writer, his co-executive producer and frequent writing partner, partner, Jerry Belson, funny enough, is the director of the episode. And he directed very few episodes. So this is a real like in-house, keeping it close, keeping it tight in the family here uh, with Marshall and Belson uh, basically writing and directing the episode uh, with no one else. And uh, I'll have more to say about that later because there's an interesting excerpt about this episode in Gary Marshall's memoir. Great. uh, It's always fun to have uh, behind the scenes info. So we opened. Oh, by the way, the air date was yeah. October 13, 1972. And wasn't that a that's a Friday then, Friday the 13th? Because the show aired on Fridays, I believe. It was a Friday night show. So the show was on Fridays through most of its run, yes. Um, it actually started on Thursdays when it was paired with Barefoot in the Park, which we talked right. about last week. Yeah, weird. And then it moved to Fridays uh, for pretty much all of its run except for a small bit in 74 when it moved back to Thursdays. Um, so yes, it's a Friday night show. So by and Ted, season- isn't your, you are familiar with the workings of television network programming. Friday night seems not a good night. So for your show. In, in our era, well, that's, that was not historically true. Uh, Dallas okay. was on Friday nights towards the, maybe 2000s, 2010s, Friday night became known as uh, a, a place where not great shows go to die, but X-Files started on Fridays, Dallas was on Fridays, mm-hmm. and even now Blue Bloods has been on Fridays for a decade and been very successful. Well, it's fine for old people, I guess, right? If the, if the audience is an older demographic, then... Well, uh, you know, uh, network television has always been older, so... But back in the 70s, when you had three broadcast networks, pretty much only in, you know, maybe in some cities you had more, uh, still a lot of people were home watching TV Friday nights. I see. So in the 70s, I mean, was it ever considered a prestigious night? Maybe not, but I'm not sure in the 70s it was considered. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I just, my mind went there just because we know the show was always struggling in the ratings still. Yes, and there could be some truth to that. And that's what, but of course it could be, it's a catch-22. Was it struggling because it was on Fridays or was it on Fridays because it was struggling? Never gave it a chance. So, uh, anyway. Have we talked about the episode yet? Not yet. Okay. So, yes, so Friday the 13th. So, we have an establishing shot of the exterior of 1049 Park Avenue. And the first shot we see when we get inside is Oscar is handing his column to Myrna to bring it down to the paper. And by the way, it's interesting that in this show a lot, he works from home a lot. He's watching. He's the original work from home. Yes, but without the internet, you have to have a physical person bring the, your work product yeah. to your work. He doesn't even have a fax machine. No. So, uh, so he's always handing Myrna something. It feels like to bring to the uh, to the office, which makes for good good business. Good. Yes, uh, he says. Um, 
uh, he tells her to bring it down right away. He's got, he's got to rest a little bit because he's got to cover a hockey game. And while he's talking, he has an open container of milk in his hand. And as he walks towards the couch, he holds his stomach in pain and says, oh boy. And Myrna asks, is that ulcer hurting, oh boy? Oscar says, it feels like I swallowed the Middle East. And Myrna looks Topical the- humor. Yes. And, and unfortunately, still topical. <laughs> yes. uh, Myrna looks at the carton of milk and says, are you going to have dinner or is that it? And Oscar says, Felix will be home soon. He'll fix me something. Go, will you? Bring it down. And Myrna says, you know Milt Dubin down at the paper? He died last week. Oscar says, I didn't know. Will you go already, Myrna? And Myrna says, he was the obituary columnist. And Oscar says, Myrna, they're waiting. Myrna says, killed over in the middle of writing up somebody else's death. Oscar says, they're waiting already. And Myrna says, a complete stranger had to write up his obituary. Oscar says, you're going to go? Myrna says, I'm going. You really ought to slow down, Mr. M. I'd hate for anything to happen to you. Nobody else would hire me. (laughs) It's a funny, it's a good enough exchange. It's not worth playing a clip for, but um, it sets up the show well. You know, notice how Myrna has been in almost every episode, even for just a walk-on like this. It shows that she, you know, the poker players are gone now, mostly. Uh, but we have Murray. Our supporting cast is basically Murray and Myrna. And to some extent, Miriam, we'll see. So we have this new supporting players who just are there, like without even being part of the plot. Uh, so I feel like they're taking place of the taking the place of the poker gang. And I think they noticed that she's really good, too, besides being... But yes, she actually is really good in it. Uh, so Myrna goes to leave and opens the front door and Felix is there and he looks terrible. He's disheveled, yeah, yeah. got this great fried look on his face, Yeah, uh, very tired. And Myrna says, oh, hi, Mr. Unger. You look terrible. Bye, Mr. Unger. <laughs> <laughs> Her delivery of that is, is really, really funny. Um, and Oscar says, hi, Felix. Listen, I got to cover game. Make supper right away, will you? And Felix says, Oscar, I can't move. Every bone in my body aches. Even my earlobes ache. Oscar says, I know how you feel. Felix says, nobody knows. 11 hours today, I photographed little children eating breakfast food. One tiny tyke drooled on my ankle. A heavy set kid rammed his tow truck into my shin. And an angel-faced little girl made sissy in my camera bag. By the way, when I was growing up watching that, I was never sure if sissy meant pee-pee or poo-poo. Well, you know, I, yeah, that's... Uh, I did some research, and it's pee-pee. Other people do ha- in of that time would say sissy that way. I, I think it was a, much earlier than this time is when yes, sissy probably. came up. Are you asking me or telling me when you say that? Uh, I'm asking. Yes, I believe that was from an earlier era. Yeah. Um, and then he says, success has a hollow ring. Oscar says, my stomach has a hollow ring. Will you make supper already? And Felix says, oh, Oscar, I can't even think about supper. And at this point, the doorbell rings. And Felix says, get that, will you? And Oscar says, sure. And he shouts, come in. <laughs> Felix says, it would take a miracle to get me off this couch. And in walks Richard Stahl, our favorite character actor mm-hmm. on the show, in a monk's outfit. <laughs> uh, he says, hello, my sons. And that goes to credit. And that is our miracle. Um, now, I know you have you have something about Richard Stahl you want to say. I don't know if you want to do that now. Uh, let's do it after the clip. Yeah. OK. Uh, but by the way, shouldn't the door be locked? <laughs> that door is well, usually locked. To, to be fair, uh, Felix did just come home and was probably too tired to lock the door. Well, that implies that it it's you have to physically lock it. Oh, but you can. Ted, I mean some doors automatically lock or you can if you have it on that setting but you can also set it to not like if you go take out the garbage you don't want to have to i mean to each his own okay i don't believe that that door works that way but it doesn't matter okay so uh we come back from the credits and we're going to play now where the boys meet brother ralph I'm Brother Ralph. I'm collecting for the Brotherhood of Life mission. I gave it the office. Just take a moment. Once a year, the Brotherhood of Life goes around collecting for our mission in upstate New York. Looks like a nice, clean mission. (laughs) Looks like the Alamo. (laughs) 
We're a non-sectarian group devoted to the simpler things in life. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll donate ten dollars if you'll make me a simple hamburger. Oh, <laughs> this is a man of the it. Oh, no, no. I'll make supper. And I'd be glad to make you something. You're both exhausted oh. from your quests in the world mm -hmm. out there. It's the least I can do. You would make him a hamburger? For a ten dollar donation, I'd make him chicken cacciatore. <laughs> I like mustard, ketchup, Tabasco sauce, and some chili. Okay? No onions. No, I got an ulcer. I got to run. Oh, I, did you ever in your life see anyone with an ulcer eat like that? Yes, me. Worse. Your stomach is worth more than that. Oscar, you hear? Slow down. Felix, the man is a monk. What does he know about deadlines and taxes and alimony? Here's my donation. Thank you. If you ever want to go into society again, you get a job as a, a short order cook. You'd be very good. It was a little too much Tabasco sauce. <laughs> I had a regular job. I was head of the Decker Advertising Agency. I had 1,100 men under me. You're Ralph Decker. I did an ad for you once, remember? The talking bra? <laughs> yes, yes. Gave it all up. One day, I looked out my office window and I saw a bluebird. All I wanted to do in the world was look at that bluebird. I had a headache. My eye twitched. I smoked five packs of cigarettes a day. Every light on my phone was lit. I answered the one, two, three. And when I was done, the bluebird had vanished. That day, I packed up for the Brotherhood of Life for a month's retreat. That was ten years ago. You just quit. Said goodbye to the talking bra. <laughs> well, I have some more stops to make. Here, a little something from the Felix Unger Studios, portraits of specialty. Oh, bless you, bless you. And uh, remember our brochure. You may like to come up and spend some time with us. Mm. I still can't get over that you came in here and cooked our dinner. Well, the Lord travels in mysterious ways. Why not through hamburger? <laughs> Be well. Uh, before you go, did you notice, uh, first of all, I like the way Richard Stahl would always put his hands together and bow as Felix was saying something. Yeah, he's doing the whole uh, monk thing. And then he put, Felix's check, he has a little pocket in his sleeve <laughs> of his robe, which I never, I guess, noticed until watching it for the for this It's kind of convenient. I guess, I guess you we have one with those robes, you got to have some pockets somewhere. Although not, you know, if you're a monk, you're not used to taking checks or dollar bills, but um it is like a, a, a nice little i don't know if it's intentionally comical but it is a, a nice little detail so what do you have about richard Stahl? okay and so um this is from jack klugman's uh memoir tony and me uh which i've quoted from before his book about the odd couple uh, his relationship with friendship with tony randall and uh has a lot of great reminiscences of the series and sure enough he he singles out this episode as one of his favorites. Um, so if you'll allow me, uh, let me tell you what he says about this very scene and why this scene we just heard is so important. Another important principle that Tony and I worked with during The Odd Couple was properly motivating the characters. The Monk episode, one of my favorites, is a great example of what I mean. The writers of this episode... And note that <laughs> I guess Jack has forgotten that Gary Marshall wrote this by himself or maybe didn't know. I don't know. But there are a team of writers who are probably always tweaking it, right? When I they... guess so. But I, in this case, it usually is that the writer's room comes up with something and Gary Marshall tweaks it. So uh, yeah, and as I'll, I'll, I'll tell later the story of how Gary Marshall tells the story of writing this episode. So it sounds anyway, I'm sure you know, Jack gets a you'll, as we'll see, he gets a few things a little mixed up. But we love him anyway. Okay. The writers of this episode had started in the middle of the story. They wanted to get Oscar and Felix to a monastery because they knew that once we were there, it would be funny. The problem, of course, was how to get these two hard-bitten New Yorkers to such an unlikely location. Or in acting terms, how were Tony and I going to motivate this storyline in a way that was believable for our characters? We started with the goal of making a larger point about disillusionment with the daily grind and the search for inner peace. 
okay, that was a good theme, but it was still not a motivation. We had to figure out what would drive us to a monastery. What would be the catalyst? So finally, we came up with the answer. We set it up that Felix and Oscar were having a miserable week. The early part of the show followed them through a couple of fiascos, particularly Felix, who had a kid break one of his expensive cameras and an old lady punch him for trying to help her cross the street. Isn't that in the, that's kind of in the opening credits. Yeah, that's yeah. that's not in this episode, except right. in the opening credits, right? So Jack has misremembered. He's inserted that old lady from the opening credits into the episode, but it's sort of consistent, I guess. Although that Felix's story is all about kids, not old people. Yeah. Anyway, by the end of the week, Felix and Oscar arrived home exhausted and on the brink of a shared existential crisis. Now we were ready for the doorbell to ring. I opened it, which he didn't. I opened it and there was a monk in the doorway looking for a contribution. When he saw how tired Felix and I were, he offered to make us dinner in exchange for a $10 donation. While he was making dinner, he told us that he was a former ex executive of an ad agency. And one day while living the daily grind, he looked out of his window and saw a bluebird. He realized at that moment that he was a prisoner in his own office. That's when he quit and went to find inner peace at a monastery. Felix suddenly exploded. I remember you, he said. I work for you. Felix identified with the stress that this former ad executive had been under and concluded that the monastery was the place for him too. You see, we didn't arbitrarily bring the characters to a monastery. We motivated them. This is true of every episode we worked on. Once Tony and I were certain the motivation was honest and consistent with our characters, we left the rest to Gary and the writers who always, always made it, made it funny. So right. I, uh, yeah, I was so interested to read that when I was reading it a while ago. And because I've always loved this scene. Yeah, when I and when I think of Richard Stahl in The Odd Couple in his many incarnations, I often remember this scene as his greatest. And I specifically remember the way he snaps his fingers yes. when he's talking about answering the phone. One, two, three. There's, it's a very intense monologue. And he doesn't, he's great in everything he does in the article, but this is a rare, like dramatic uh, monologue for him as an actor. And he just nails it. And uh, with that intensity and, and, Jack Klugman is so right that that's what make one of the things that makes this a truly great show is comes from the actor's insistence that these things have motivation and that there be a reason for the premise as ridiculous as the premise may be. And so you get a little insight there into how, why the scene is there and why it's so good. Yeah. And he's, I, that I kind of always was like, <clears throat> I think jealous of like, I guess I always wanted to be a successful businessman and this guy who's running an agency, <laughs> except for the cigarettes part. Yeah. Got all these people waiting for him on the phone. <laughs> and I think as a kid, I also was fancying myself an advertising guy. I used to mm. read books about advertising. So it's like, well, I want to be like Ralph Decker. Answer the phones. <laughs> yeah. You want to be joking. like the, the old Ralph Decker, not this yeah. monk guy. Yeah, not the monk one. Um, <laughs> so in the next scene, Felix is sitting by the stairs, um, uh, or on the stairs by the door of the apartment, Oscar comes in and says, did you see my blue tie, Felix? And he's holding his stomach still. And Felix says, where were you working last? And Oscar says, desk. And Felix says, that's where it's got to be, at the desk. And Oscar says, oh, you're right. I used it to clean my typewriter. <laughs> the tie. He used the this tie, tie yes. Yeah. And then the phone rings and Oscar picks it up and immediately hands it to Felix and says, it's for you. He does not listen to who's <laughs> on the phone. And from there, we get. This, but he turns out to be right. He's right, uh, and that leads to this short clip, which I can't quote. It's much better to hear this uh, short scene. Hello. Yeah. Yes. Yes, Mr. Topskin. Yes. Oh yeah, we put in a good day's work today. Yes, I love working with the little people. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'll have the proofs on your desk by noon tomorrow. Eight in the morning. Well, that. That's outrageous. Well, I'd have to work on. Well, of course I want the job. Yes, you'll have them by eight in the morning. Goodbye. Oscar, can you imagine? Oscar. Hey, hey. 
Now they want this job finished by 8 in the morning. Can you imagine that? He's going to have to work all night. Take a pet pill. That's all I can do. Interview the goalie. I'll take a sleep. No, I'll interview the goalie first time at 10 o'clock. I'll be I won't get any lunch. I'll take a diet pill. What else can I do? Stop! What's the matter? Look at us. We're running around like lunatics. We're losing our bluebird. Out of my way, Weeks. I'm late. Oscar, I've made a decision. Tonight, you can find me at Brother Ralph's seeking contentment. Tonight, you can find me at Rhoda Zimmerman seeking contentment. It's always good to get a Rhoda Zimmerman. Yeah, who they do not call crazy Rhoda in this episode. I think later, don't they? They mention her later. Do they not call crazy later? I can't remember. I for, now I'm forgetting. If, didn't they mention her when the last time we heard her name? Wasn't she crazy Rhoda? Zimmerman yeah, but before? I think they mentioned her again later in the episode. I mean, yes, they do. But I we'll, can't we'll, remember if they say crazy or not. Well, let's. We'll I hope that you have that clip. I can't remember now. Um, but the, the the in that clip when Felix is looking for Oscar, it's because Oscar's fallen asleep under his desk. Under the desk, right? <laughs> which I don't think gets as funny a line, a funny a laugh as laugh, it should. Right. Maybe the audience didn't see it. It's kind of hard to know. It's during Felix uh, Felix's phone call. So I a, also like Felix's whole. Uh, it's kind of like they're both. I won't say ad libbing on camera, but it's like they both are just kind of ad libbing these dueling. Uh, you know, inner monologues while they're trying to rush out of the house. And Felix's is all about pills, right? He says, I love how he says, I have to, I have to take a pep pill to stay up all night, yeah. uh, which I guess is like uh, no-dose or and the whatever. whatever the kids take these days. The boss's name is Mr. Topskin. <laughs> is that a name? Which sounds like a mispronunciation of Tompkins or something. But Felix says, I'm going to take a pep pill and then I'll have to take a sleeping pill to go sleep and I won't have time for lunch. I'll take a diet pill. It's a lot of pills, but Felix, very seventies. Very seventies. Also, other episodes says he can't take a lot of pills because they screw him up. Yeah, well. <clears throat> so we have a new scene, which is the visual of the outside of a monastery, but it's actually the cloisters. Is it the cloisters? It is, oh, I did yeah. a, I did a, I did a parallel image search. Yeah, it, yeah. I, I looked at the DVD and saw the image, and then I just assumed it was the cloisters. I didn't actually do a search because it I looks said, like it, yeah. the cloisters. And I looked at the yeah. cloisters. I yeah. found a drone shot of the cloisters. Which, which for. I'm sure many of our listeners. Well, know, I would but explain perhaps for the less artistically inclined. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a museum in New York City uh, in Washington Heights, which is not in the Manhattan proper. Uh, it's run by the Metropolitan Museum, and it's designed to look like a medieval European monastery. It's a kind of famous New York right. attraction. Uh, so inside the monastery, Felix is in a suit, and he's talking to another man in a suit, uh, and there's a guy. Or Brother Ralph uh, is there, and he says, for the next step in orientation, Brother Lou will carry your name, call your name, and distribute your robes. And once in your robe, you will be referred to as Brother. So Brother Lou starts to call out the names, and the man Felix starts to, is talking to starts to shout very loudly. And he says, yes, I, came here once, I come here once a year to get away from my factory. And Felix says, what do you make? And the man says, megaphones. My company is the largest manufacturer of megaphones in the whole country. It's a bit of a cheap joke. It yes. feels a little underneath Gary Marshall. It's funny because it's of the like, way the guy does it. It's like a very old-fashioned vaudeville kind it is. of joke. It's very vaudeville. And Felix says, is that right? And man, the man says, you know, the majority of your sis-boom-bahs and your rah-rah-rahs are shouted through Millman megaphones. And Felix says, how nice. And Brother Lou shouts, Milman S. And now we know the guy's name is Milman. Well, we also know from the name of his company. And he says, here. And he says, see you later. Cheers, Felix. So that man is played by, uh, Mr. Milman is played by Jack Collins, who did TV in the 60s through 80s. He was Mike Brady's boss, Mr. Phillips, on three episodes of The Brady Bunch. Hmm. People remember Mr. Phillips. Uh, he was on eight episodes of Bewitched as different characters, seven episodes of Bonanza, six episodes of Here's Lucy, and seven episodes of Dallas. Yeah, he's definitely recognizable. And he also comes up later in The Odd Couple. Ah, well, that's where I recognize him. He is him. one of the zebras, which oh, yeah. is Cousin <laughs> Floyd's group when Felix yeah. goes to live with yeah. Floyd in Buffalo. Oh. And I think he has to speak, you know, I can picture who he is in that, uh, in that scene. So next, Felix saunters over to another man who's in his robe. He's an African-American. And they both say, how do you do? Felix introduces himself as Unger, Felix. And the man says, my name is now Brother Lowell. 
And Felix says, brother, well, what business are you in? And he says, I'm in shoes. And Felix says, ah, manufacturing. And Lowell says, no, shining. I have a shoe stand, shoe shine stand in Yonkers. And Felix says, really? And Lowell says, yes, some of us still do it, you know. <laughs> now, I can't well. tell if this is racist or funny. Well, again, or it was like the watermelon joke from the last, from the princess, where it's like a joke about racism, but I think different people would come down maybe on different sides about how awkward that is. But some of us still do it is, uh, well, there's the joke. So uh, he's played by Charles Lampkin, uh, another busy TV episodic player, 60s and 80s. He's on Untouchables, It Takes a Thief, Mayberry, Ironside, My Three Sons, Emergency, Adam 12, Quincy. Wow. Another friend, of, heaven, ja friend of Jack. Uh, Street Hawk, which I've seen recently. Do you remember Street Hawk? No, I don't. It was like a Knight Rider clone that oh. ABC did with a, mm. a motorcycle. And Night Court. And then he was in uh, the, do you remember Frank's Place with Tim no. Reed? No, I don't. That was a critically acclaimed uh, show in the 80s uh, with Tim Reed. I, I'm not sure I watched much TV. Uh, well, talking well, to I you makes me realize that there's a lot of TV I did not watch. Yeah, well, I mean, I would talk about TV all the time in high school. I guess I the only show you and I ever discussed was this show. <laughs> yep. yep, and hence a podcast. Uh, then Brother Lou shouts, Unger F. And Felix says, I'm Unger F. And Brother Lou hands him his robe. And Felix look at it, looks at it and says, do you mind if I ask you a question? And Brother Lou, who shouldn't be this annoyed for a monk, <laughs> says, what is it, Unger F? <laughs> I don't know why he's not nicer about it. He's a says, very sour monk. Yes, or says, like, first of all, shouldn't he call him Brother Felix at this point? But he is, he is being set up as the, as the heavy, you know, in this. I know, but why does he have to be a jerk? Uh, and uh, Felix says, what do we wear underneath these? And Lou says, it doesn't matter. Nobody peeks. I have to say, this whole scene, the orientation, as it's called, I did not recall, remember it at all. And I'm pretty sure it was cut in syndication. Oh, okay. Interesting. Just putting that out there. Brother Lou is played by Robert Ball, another busy character actor, the TV's 60s through 80s. Perry Mason, Twilight Zone, Defend Dyke, Bonanza, Maud, Kojak, Happy Days, Hardy Boys. And he was in another odd couple, Felix the Horse Player, later. Uh, also, I vote, and he has to win as the person on the odd couple with the worst hair ever. <laughs> that He's got this really weird comma, but not like a cool <laughs> Superman comma. Like just is, that, is that the official uh, stylist term, comma? I'm calling it a comma. And then he's got bald spot, yeah. but he's balding as well. It's just, right. I always remember the, the thing that stands out for me this episode is his hair. It's yeah, so it's very bad. greasy and greasy. it's matted down and has this weird, uh, uh, what do you call comma. it? Calic. Well, yeah, but it also like okay, yeah. a part of one of your part of your hair that sticks out. Well, Ted, I'm I'm very glad to hear you have inaugurated this uh, new contest. Yeah. For worst hair. Oh, there's no competition. The... Well, you're you're just declaring it over before it oh, even started. I, as who else can, I mean, shouldn't we get collect some other nominees? No, no. I we I, if I had never seen this show, I would be patient. But I've right. seen every episode of the show. You're confident. Okay. I'm confident. Yes. So now we have a new scene. Felix is in his room, he, in his robe. He's trying to write on a rolled up piece of parchment with a quill. And this is a visual gag. He, he can't keep the parchment flat while also trying to grab the quill. Hmm. Uh, and he says no longer it took them so long, long, so long to copy the Bible. Another kind of vaudevillian. Yeah. Like They're just trying to milk, milk whatever gags they can out of them. I mean, they set up this crazy premise of them in monks' robes, you know, for most of this episode, and they just try to milk every gag they can. So Brother Ralph walks in and asks, everything all right, Brother Felix? And Felix says, yes, I was just writing a postcard on this giant piece of parchment. <laughs> uh, I had the most wonderful day today, Brother Ralph. I stared at my hand for two hours. I had forgotten the beauty of my hand. Ralph says, very good. Well, if you want anything at all, just abstain. Which is a <laughs> great, that's, such that's a, great a hilarious line. line. Especially the line. way he delivers it yes, so yes. dry. Uh, <laughs> because they're monks. They abstain from everything. So you shouldn't want anything. Uh, remember, your inner self is you. And Felix says, how true. And now Felix starts to notice his feet. And he says, actually, now I think Ralph is gone at this time. And yeah. he says, actually, my foot is just as interesting as my hand. This little piggy went to market. This little... 
Little Piggy went home. At this point, Oscar walks in wearing a robe and his New York Mets baseball cap. <laughs> and Felix says, Oscar. Now, did you notice that Felix holds out his hand to, I think, to shake Oscar's hand? I did not notice that. And Jack Klugman doesn't shake Felix, Tony Randall's hand. And it, hmm. you could almost think he's doing an expression with his hand, like surprised, but I think he's trying to shake his hand and he yeah, doesn't do it. Maybe. Which is well, weird. I think the point is that Oscar is in a bad mood and doesn't want to be here. I think it was a mistake, my oh. opinion. Okay. Either, either that was never in the state blocking of, this, of, the, episode, mm. of the scene or Klugman forgot to do it. Something like that. Okay, so now we're going to play the scene after uh, Oscar has entered the monastery. Brother Oscar! So this is it, huh? What's the matter? No room at the inn? Oh, Oscar, don't be a heathen. Well, what happened? What changed you? What brought you here? Did you see a vision? No, I saw the x-ray of my ulcers. The doctor said either I take a short rest now or I take a long rest permanent. Oh, boy. Not a very spiritual reason, is it? But you're going to have the most marvelous experience here. Oscar, do you know what I did today? I stared at my hand all day long. The hand is an amazing instrument, Oscar. Each finger can move individually, or they can move in unison, or in any combination. Look, the thumb can move with the pinky. Or the forefinger with the thumb, or with the pinky, or in any combination. You better cut it out. You won't be able to use any fingers. Mock, if you will, Oscar, but you'll find out that contemplating your hand can be very rewarding. Yeah, only if it's holding a can of beer. Oscar, will you stop that? It's time to go to bed. It's 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock already? Gee, I'll have to take a nap tomorrow morning. Isn't there anything to read? No. Felix, I can't go to sleep without reading. No magazines in the Brother John? Good night, my fellow man. I, too, am used to reading before I go to sleep. But here, we meditate and sleep. You don't understand, Felix. I can't go to sleep unless I read. What are you doing? Bring my toothpaste to you. So as someone who also loves to read, especially at night, uh, why wouldn't Oscar pack a book or something or a magazine or a newspaper? Uh, it always bugged me because I, I could relate to that like, need. <laughs> and I just, why isn't there, hmm. I guess in a monastery, you don't have. I guess the point is to have no distractions right. at all. But if he has to do that, I know he's not the most prepared guy to think of yeah. these things, but yeah. something about that, that. I've always remembered the the toothpaste. Yes, me too. It's yes. so hilarious, and uh, but now and, and now clever. of course it's and clever. clever, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like it is reading. Yeah, and of course, and Felix's line is is just a great button to that scene. Just the perfect. <laughs> can I have it when you're? Can I read it when you're done? Um, it's also now so quaint, right? I mean, and and as you just said, Ted, those of us who are older uh, still like to read before bed. But you know, before all this, they're not even talking about watching TV before bed. But now, at looking at their phones yeah. with the computers and the kids and all, and uh, it's just a, it's a wonderful snapshot of a, a, a previous culture. So now we have a new scene. We see the exterior of the monastery slash cloisters again. And we're at the dining room table with all the brothers sitting around. And Brother Ralph says, as a special part of our midweek dinner, we ask each brother to share some moment of his meditation with all of us. And he asked Brother Samuel to begin. And that leads right into another clip. I stand in the flower today. I stared at a flower today. I don't think I've ever really looked at a flower before, but it was so beautiful. I talked to the flower, and all its petals blew off. <laughs> The 
thank you. Uh, Brother Horace. Well, I didn't meditate, per se. I worked in the carpentry shop. I'm in the military. And I've made decisions that have changed history in one battle, per se. But I have never known the sense of accomplishment that I felt today when I requisitioned some pieces of wood <laughs> and made one small house bird <laughs> with these hands. Would you care to inspect it? May I? <laughs> oh. mm. Oscar, look. Look, see the little door? And inside there's a place for I water. I want to see oh, it. Oh, but the man worked so hard. Oh, oh come on, what's a look at a G.I. birdhouse? <laughs> Brother Felix, would you share your revelations with us? Gladly. Today, I watched an anthill for five hours. <laughs> Can I look at the birdhouse? <laughs> Brother Felix has the floor and our attention. As I watched the ants, I saw that one little ant was having trouble carrying his load. The other ants carried theirs with ease, scurrying to and fro. But this one little fellow couldn't handle his. I was rooting for him. I always root for the under ant. <laughs> well, he tugged and he pulled and he pushed, but he just couldn't do it. And finally, he shrugged his shoulders and gave up. But the other ants did not abandon their little friend. They rushed to his side and carried his crumb. I thought that I, too, should help my fellow man carry his load. Amen. Hear, hear, brother. Brother Lowell? Well, I just laid all day on my cot with eyes closed. And he's the social director. <laughs> Brother Oscar. Oh, I don't have anything to say, sir. Don't be embarrassed. Surely there must be something that's been on your mind these past few days. <laughs> Boy, do I miss Rhoda Zimmerman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, uh, it's a start. And now I see by the old shadow on the floor that... <laughs> Time for unsupervised communication. Another interesting thing about the ant. Get with the ant! Brothers, let me tell you my most inner thoughts. I am bored. And I am going to take these sugar cubes and I am going to make them into dice. Anybody who wants a spiritual uplift, it will be floating in my room. This is blasphemy. Blasphemy. What are you talking about? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. We're just going to find out how much is. I'm glad to see that all of you have enough sense not to follow that pagan. Forget my aunt. I'd like to tell you... My impressions of some clouds I saw today. Clouds that looked like flowers. Clouds that looked like animals. And one cloud that looked like a chicken salad sandwich. <laughs> Though I know it sounds cliched, I actually saw the oft-mentioned cloud with a silver lining. <laughs> Look for the silver lining The button on that bit is that they've all left while he's singing. Um, and as we said earlier, so that singing that song is not in the DVD. I guess they didn't right. have the rights for that song. Um, yeah, the song, which is a, uh, a song from 1919 by Jerome Kern and BG De Silva. So it probably, I guess it was still in copyright in 1972. Yeah, so uh, we found the clip on YouTube and inserted in there. But and I had... so just and to recap, what was what's going on in that DVD? Right, it's like they, um, I'm not sure if they were doing this all the way from season one, but at some point, 
Paramount. I think, as I remember it, the DVDs came out like one season one, and then season two, and then like all the rest of the seasons. They just dumped it all at once in a hurry, and and uh, they and I I think as part of that rush, they just skipped. They didn't want to deal with the rights to things like songs, and so they just cut them out of the DVDs. But I remembered this him singing that song so much that when I saw the DVD version, I went on YouTube to look for it, and sure enough, I found it. And I had forgotten that that song was there when you told me about it. At first, I was like, "How did you know that was there?" <laughs> and then when I, I always remember it, Felix singing, and when I watched it, I go, "Oh yeah, I remember that." But I, they did a good job on the DVD. I didn't. Yeah, notice that anything because you do before by the time he's singing, they've already started to leave the room, so you get the joke, right? Um, so Brother Horace is played by Ed Peck, he's got a very recognizable voice. Odd Couple fans will know him probably as the parachute club leader in Flying Felix, he's also Mr. Ralston in Red Strike, which we'll get to later. And he was in many series in the 50s through 80s. Leave it to Beaver, Gunsmoke, Getsmark, Dick Van Dyke, That Girl, All in the Family, SWAT, Barney Miller, Benson. And he was Officer Kirk for nine episodes of Happy Days, another Gary Marshall show, obviously. So the next scene, the men are in Oscar and Felix's room playing dice. And Brother Samuel shouts, we don't have any money. And Oscar says, I'll write it on the parchment. We'll play for IOU, the, for IO." For I owe thou's, okay? Uh, Felix walks in and says, you are the world's worst monk. Oscar says, what are you talking about? We're just going to have some fun. And Felix says, fun, yes, fun, all right, but not like this. All right, if you have to have some excitement, I'll tell you the big secret. Brother Lou accidentally let it slip today. It's a biggie. <laughs> it's a biggie. Oscar keeps asking, what is it? And Felix says, tomorrow we all get to take a ride of the donkey. <laughs> And Oscar says, why don't you go back to looking at your hands? See, see if you can get your fingers. Where is this donkey? I guess they have a donkey on the monastery. Yeah, I guess they have a farm or a little pasture. Uh, Oscar says, see if you can get your fingers to move in unison. Have them close to make a fist and then punch yourself in the mouth. A little crude. Yes. Well, we know we've talked about this from our first (laughs) episode. Yeah, how violent Oscar's retorts are or, or insults are to Felix. And Felix says, uh, Brother Oscar, examine your psyche. And Oscar says, oh, go examine an anthill or something. And then Felix leaves, and then we get uh, this clip. Let her roll! All right, come on, baby! Brother needs a new pair of sandals! Brother Alfred, eat the dice, eat the dice! I can't, I'm diabetic! What have we here, a mass meditation? I had to report you, brothers, for your own good. I'm sorry, it was my fault. I started the game. I was going crazy. Would you please all go to your cells? <laughs> Brother Oscar, this is your cell. We have to have certain rules here so that all can experience what they came for. Part of our goal here is to create an atmosphere where each man can meditate undisturbed by another man. I know, I'm sorry. I guess I just don't fit in here. Look, I'll pack and I'll leave. I think you'd benefit more by serving penance. Each brother took a vow to stay a week. I'd hate to see you break that vow. I think penance would do you a world of good, Brother Oscar. You're not a vow breaker. Okay, I'll serve penance. Naturally, you'll serve a penance too, brother. Me? Well, I, I, I know you weren't indulging in the game, but here we also frown on men turning in their fellow man. It's an <laughs> unwritten commandment. Thou shalt not think. Brother Lou is our penance director. <clears throat> brother Lou? They will get up at 4 a.m. tomorrow and bake the bread. They will be silent for 24 hours. Three marks on the slate for speaking, and you fail. Well, we'll get the slates then. A very 
stiff penance. Yeah, but you'll fail. You can't keep your big mouth shut for 24 hours school, feeding on your fellow man. All right, I sinned once, but I think I can keep silent better than a weak-willed, fun-crazed person I know. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get even with you. I'm going to make you speak. Oh, is that is that your challenge, Brother Madison, monk of the messy? Yes, Brother Runga, saint of the stool pigeons. <laughs> brother Lou will be in listening distance at all times. Remember, three marks, and that's it. Your silence begins now. Good night. Good night. <laughs> so two visuals there to point out. At the end, when the monks, when Lou says goodnight, Oscar nudges Felix as if to say you're being rude, you should say goodnight back. And Felix reflexively says goodnight and gets his first X. Earlier, what I, my favorite part of that scene is when uh, Brother Ralph points out that there's a penance for thinking. The way Tony Randall puts his head in his hands and says, like, oh, I should have known that. Like, uh, how, how could I have done that is very funny. Tony Randall loves playing up all the, uh, the, the mannerisms of the holy, you know, holy man. Uh, so he's a great sin. So in the new scene, we're in the kitchen. Uh, brother says, all right, the gambler here and the fink there. And remember, no talking. By the way, if brother lives in, dis in listening distance all the time, he is also going to have to stay up 24 hours. Yeah, that's insane. I can't, you know. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I hope he, you know, at least checks in on them, sees they're asleep. And so this is kind show. of the highlight of the episode, but we can't play a clip because it's all visual. So we have to describe it. So uh, they're in the kitchen and they have to be silent. They're making bread. And first Felix places flour on the baking board he has and Oscar copies him. But then he claps his hand and shakes off the flour in Felix's face to kind of get Felix to be annoyed and say something. And then Felix goes to grab a towel and Oscar puts his head down on the counter to nap. And the dough starts to rise in the bowl next to him. So I don't know anything about baking. Is that realistic? <laughs> I've never baked bread, I have to confess. Even during quarantine. Uh, but I, I suppose if you put enough something, it, it does rise. That's the whole point. Does it rise that fast? The, the prop here, though, does look a little rigged, I think. Well, see, I was actually going to say, how did they do that? I was impressed at how that worked. It's the volcano experiment. You know, it's the old science fair volcano thing with the baking soda, whatever. I don't know. Well, the funniest thing is, is, is Oscar's reaction. He wakes yeah. up. He, he, he uh, Felix points out to him that this is happening and Oscar screams the blob <laughs> referencing the old 50s movie with Steve yeah. McQueen uh, but of course that's now his first ex brother Lou kind of saunters in and puts an X on Oscar's slate now we have another scene Oscar is taking dough to make bread and Felix puts his head in the metal bowl to smell the, the fresh dough and Oscar takes a rolling pin and hits the side of the bowl which makes a very loud noise with Felix's head in the bowl and is very unpleasant for Felix. Then we have Felix putting raisins on the dough while Oscar's eating raisins and Felix pours something else out of a bowl onto the dough. I can't tell what that was. And Oscar takes the bowl and whatever it is in the bowl, he just takes the bowl and puts it in his mouth, just dumps whatever it is into his mouth. And then Oscar drinks milk out of a glass jar which prompts Felix to say, why don't you bake your stomach? <laughs> uh, and then Brother Lou comes in and Oscar points to Felix to tell Brother Lou, who I guess can't determine their voices at this point. Now on the DVD, and I don't think this was a musical scene, the scene was cut before he puts the second X on the slate. So Oscar points to Lou, uh, points to Felix to tell Lou to put the X on the slate, but then there's no cut. And then... Lou's just gone, and then we see Felix, and he's got two X's on his slate. I can't imagine. I mean, the whole point is there are a vow of silence, so there's no singing. But um, it just seems like an awkward, bad cut. I and I don't know. Maybe it's not just the DVD, by yeah. the way. No. Yeah, we've seen some of those weird cuts before. So then Oscar shakes off flour onto his hands, uh, a fl shakes off flour off his hands into Felix's face, and Felix sneezes on purpose, and Oscar says, Gesundheit. So Lou comes in and puts a second X now on Oscar's slate and says it's a tie ball game. 
<laughs> so while I have a new scene where Felix takes fresh bread out of the oven and puts it on the table, Oscar's asleep and um, wakes up after Felix has put the hot pan on the table, and Oscar goes over to the other oven to open it up and get his bread out, but he doesn't have any gloves on his hands. And Felix shouts out, "Looks out! Look out! That's hot!" And now Lou comes in, but he's not sure who said that. And Oscar, very nobly, I guess, says, "I'm the one who talked," because Felix is trying to help him. And Lou puts a third X on Oscar's slate and a line through it and puts his thumb down. Now, I would have thought that means the the thing is penance is over, but when Lou leaves. Felix says, thank you, Oscar. And Lou comes back and now puts Felix's ex. Yeah, that's not But fair. I think that's not fair. Yeah, Felix won. Felix won. Well, right. well, I guess maybe that's our mistake is that it was never put, it was never posed as a contest, even though it seems like it, it, it plays like that. The whole point is they are both individually doing their penance. Right. So Ralph comes in and says that was quick. And Felix says, we'll pack our things and leave, brother Ralph. We're deeply ashamed. Ralph says, why are you leaving? And Felix says, well, isn't that the punishment for failing? And Ralph says, no, there is no punishment. You failed at a task and were forgiven. Possibly when you go back out there, your employees or friends or loved ones may fail at something and you won't be so hard on them. People do fail, you know. Well, if the bread's ready, why don't you wash up? We'll have breakfast. And Felix says, oh, Oscar, what a beautiful lesson we've learned. Oscar says, what? Felix says, we learned the lesson of forgiveness. And the big man up there looking down She's a new Felix and a new Oscar. And Oscar says, come on now, don't turn into a religious fanatic. The big man up there doesn't even know Oscar and Felix. And then there's a big thunderclap, which prompts Felix to point his finger at Oscar, who looks around in surprise. I never liked that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's out of, it really is, that even for uh, all the religious uh, themes and overtones going through this episode, that even that's random because <laughs> they this isn't that kind of they they just like reference god and and pagans and uh, spirituality but to all of a sudden have the him struck down by lightning you know is it's also not even that, cheap not that cheap but it's not even that funny no it's not that funny but it does it does end the scene as now since we're here at the end of the scene i have a story to tell about this scene as okay, well go ahead so this is from Gary Marshall's uh, memoir. And uh, he doesn't spend a lot of time discussing the odd couple in it, but um, one, of the, one of the main stories he tells is of this episode. And, uh, and he, he gets, about, gets at it in about a roundabout way, but I want to read it anyway, because I think you'll enjoy this, uh, this way he starts this paragraph, Ted. He says, many Odd Couple fans have their favorite episodes, whether they be the new car. Let's make a deal. That is the Army Mrs. Madison. Password. No one's favorite episode is that is the Army Mrs. Madison. <laughs> Wait, it, it, we're, get, get a load of this. It's all over now, baby bird. Oh. <laughs> Which was, of course, season one about the dead parrot and... Uh, which we both did not like. Um, although I liked it more than you did, but wow, favorite. Okay, Ides of April, good one. Or The Rain in Spain, also good. But my favorite is called The Odd Monks because I wrote it out of desperation with my journalism training from Northwestern. I Gary, went to yeah, yeah, both Gary Marshall and Tony Randall. Northwestern, and Ted Linhart. Northwestern alums. Uh, I was not fussy or I was not a fussy or picky writer. And on TV, you need to be on deadline. But after spending so many years writing with Jerry Belson, I worried I might be too lazy to write alone. So sometimes I look for opportunities to make sure I still could. This episode came at a point in the season when Jack and Tony said they were getting tired of the long, complicated scripts we were giving them. The truth was that they didn't want to memorize so many lines. So I offered a compromise. I said, everybody take the week off. I'm writing the script this week. And in the script, Felix and Oscar go to a monastery and have to take a vow of silence. For nearly 40 pages, there was no dialogue, thus eliminating the need for the two stars to memorize anything. The entire script was based on visual and physical humor, which I had learned from the scripts I'd written for Lucille Ball. 
I think it was not only funny script, but one that varied the rhythm of the show. Sometimes when I watch TV with my wife, I'll come across Odd Monks on cable. Cable? Still on broadcast TV. And I have to sit and watch it through to the end. Jack and Tony, in my opinion, knocked that episode out of the ballpark. Okay, so first Your of all, thoughts about that explanation, Tim? Well, it's not 40 pages. It's like... <laughs> and Felix has some pretty long monologues. Yes, he does. So... Yes, I guess for the second or the fourth scene, they don't have much to say. But and Jack Hugman doesn't have much to say. But Tony Randall is gets songs. There's a whole song we haven't even gotten to yet. Right. That um, participates in, and then he has the cloud monologue and the anthill monologue. Yeah. Once again, as we saw with Eleanor Donahue last week, you know, people remember people things weirdly years later and or, or i think gary marshall is trying to like emphasize like overemphasize that scene because it's a good joke to say hey they didn't want to memorize lines so i wrote a scene where they take a vow of silence uh but it is just one it's five minutes most right it's yeah. five minutes tops and, I, and uh, it's not the whole show and, and and i guess what you're amazing a good point that tony randall always it doesn't seem like tony randall struggles to memorize those things it's probably jack klugman he's talking about <laughs> I guess so, but uh, I don't know. I, yeah, that whole explanation sounds a little... I mean, I, I believe him because I believe it happened in some way. I just You it, wouldn't watch this episode and <laughs> think that. You wouldn't think this is a silent episode, right? Right. It's the way he sets it up. Uh, but it does... Maybe that it, he remembers... Maybe that was the germ of the, right, the whole yeah, concept. Yeah, yes, yeah. And as a gag, he said, oh, great, I'll write you one with a vow of silence, but of course realize you can't he didn't want to actually do a whole show with no dialogue. Yeah, it's not Shields and Yarnell. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Topical reference. Uh, all right, so now after the cheap button that we heard with the thunder clap, uh, now we're going to play the tag. Here comes Brother Oscar. Now remember, he's had no fun. He's been very depressed. Nobody would eat his bread. He failed no talk. He's been reading everybody's toothpaste. So let's show him that we're fun guys. We'll give him a good... Hi, brothers. What's going on here? to be the most elaborate tag yes. i don't get it yeah. i don't I, I i don't understand it's obviously some sort of fight song i don't understand yeah. this joke well clearly it's not a song that had a copyright problem i guess um but what the, do they just <laughs> gary marshall couldn't come up with a tag and decide to write a song i don't get it well again whenever there's singing involved you have to suspect tony randall is this is a very Tony Randall kind of song. He loves oh. like old fashioned. Okay, I don't even know. How would you think we have a need a tag for the monk episode? Let's have the brothers Oscar <laughs> song. I don't understand how that happened. Um, I'm with you. Uh, just to put myself in their shoes, I'm thinking part of the joke is that it's funny having a bunch of guys in monk costumes sing a song like this, like a football song, uh, cheer song. So it's kind of because it's so random. That's kind of the joke. Um, but. Uh, it's a lot of work for not a big laugh. Yeah. yeah. I, I can barely understand what they're saying. Maybe it's all a riff on the megaphone guy. Well, it doesn't make sense. I, there's, a, like, there's a dialogue in there about pessimism. Like they, round, they rhyme some word using the word, using a half word, pessimism. Yeah. Did you hear that? Uh, I missed that one. All but right. I, I, let's, let's not let the tag, you know, spoil. Anyway. I hate and and two good two great things. Where's the donkey? Is great. That that's the real tag. That's the funny thing. And um, I love that no one ate Oscar's bread. Yeah. By the way, it's not donkey. It's donkey. 
He says, Dump- <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so yes, I, I, I like this episode. It's, it is, it is a really fun episode. It sounds like it should be terrible on paper. Right. Like why would the Oscar feels, but it really works. Richard Stahl is one of the big reasons I give it four out of five Marie's. It's an episode I always enjoy. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, it is, you know, something about the combination. There's some real laughs. There's some real laughs in this, uh, in this episode. And we've been talking about how some episodes are very good, but don't have the belly laughs. And this in a way is not a great plot, but it just, it just, it's a concept that it works a lot better than it has any right to <laughs> because they go for every gag they can. Uh, but it's the combination of that, and you have uh, the gravitas, if you will, of Richard Stahl, uh, of that whole opening scene, and of just, uh, he's, you know, the great, he's the show, the series is great straight man. And, um, you know, just so many great takes, you know, like after I really miss Rose Zimmerman. <laughs> and he says, well, that's a start. Yeah. Um, and, and to the end, you know, he's very touching about the, pun you know no punishment and forgiveness and all of that so it works a lot better right it works a lot better than you'd think on paper so uh definitely four murrays all right maybe wouldn't be it, the only thing keeps it from five is that it is kind of a silly concept yeah there's just a couple there's a little few clunker moments <laughs> like the uh the thunderclap and uh yeah uh, yeah, well, they know, sometimes they, they go for so many gags that some of them are just lame. Also, I don't, I mean, I don't really need a lot of singing in my odd couple. <laughs> so, uh, all right, well, I'm going to go read my toothpaste. Uh, bye, Mr. Ted. You look terrible. <laughs> bye, Mr. Ted.